You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, and on this edition, we're going to be bringing you up to date with all the latest Arsenal-related transfer rumours. I'm not going to call them stories anymore. I'm going to call them, ru- them rumours until proven otherwise. On this edition, we're going to be discussing Andre Onana, his future. Is there an opportunity that Arsenal should be capitalising on with regards to the Ajax goalkeeper? We're going to be discussing the latest on James Madison. And of course, we're going to be talking a little bit about how Romelu Lukaku's future could have a huge knock-on effect in terms of Arsenal's hopes of landing Lautaro Martinez. Uh, Big hello to everybody watching us live in the chat box. Uh, Big hello to everybody watching this back or listening to this back via the audio platforms. Hope you are all well. Um, Just want to say a big thank you to those of you who uh, sort of shared your thoughts on yesterday's show. I was joined by Elliot, a.k.a. Yankee Gunner, a.k.a. the main man of the Arsenal Vision podcast. It was a really, really good debate, fantastic chat. Um, And it was really, really good having him back on the show. So thank you to everyone who's tuned into that. If you haven't seen it or heard it, you can do so. It is available uh, in podcast format now on all major podcast stores. And it's also the last video on this channel. So you can check that out if you are a YouTube viewer. So uh, thank you. Right. Let's uh, go over to the live comments and say a few hellos before we dive right into it. Let's say hello uh, to Jashar, to Syed, to Omar, uh, to John, who says, afternoon, everyone. First Harry's on TalkSport 2. Now here. I listen and talk to Harry more than my wife and kids. Doing great, bro. Always happy to listen to your opinion. Smash the likes. Thank you so much. And I think I probably talk to you guys as well more than I talk to my wife and my kid as well. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. But anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's dive straight into it. And let's start with uh, the Andre Onana stuff. Now, of course, Arsenal were credited with a really strong interest in Andre Onana a little while ago now, um, probably right at the beginning of the transfer window. You know, there was talks and rumours that Arsenal were really close to doing a deal, that they prioritised him as a, a goalkeeping target and that they were going to move uh, for the Ajax man. However, There was talk at the time that Arsenal were waiting to find out what was going to happen with the players' doping ban. They were hoping it would be reduced, and it was reduced, just perhaps not uh, as much as Arsenal might have hoped. Anyway, Andre Onana is likely to be on the move. Now, his contract at Ajax is very close to its expiration, and Ajax are also happy to move him on as a result of that. Now, it looked as though for all intents and purposes, that Andre Onana was headed for Lyon in the French league. And it looked like that deal was very, very close. And that deal was said to be worth £5 million or around about that figure. Now, that is peanuts. That is peanuts for a goalkeeper who has recently as what? A year ago, year and a half ago, was being touted as one of the best on the continent. A goalkeeper who had a really, really good reputation. Yes, okay, that reputation's taken a bit of a beating off the back of the fact that, you know, he's he's been done for doping. He says it was a mistake. He says he took his wife's 
medication by accident, if I'm not mistaken. Was that his story? I know a few other players have used that one as well. But yeah, to think that someone who was held in such high esteem just 18 months ago or so is now available for something like £5 million is crazy. And it feels like at a time when Arsenal desperately need to bring in a goalkeeper, it would be wise, in my view, to dive in and go and get him. You know, go and get him. Go and bring him to the club. He would not only uh, compete with Leno. I think there's a good shout that Andre Onana could be the goalkeeper moving forward, you know, beyond Burn Leno. The guy's not going to be here forever. A lot of us have our reservations about Burn Leno. And so why not go and bring in Andre Onana? We know that funds are hard to come by in general in this transfer window. And this opportunity, this, you know, yeah, opportunity is the best word to pick up a goalkeeper of a very good level for £5 million is one that Arsenal, in my opinion, at this moment in time, cannot afford to pass up. What's good about Andre Onana? What's Andre Onana better at than Burn Leno? And the answer to that for me is distribution. Now, when you look at Burn Leno as a goalkeeper, overall, I think he is a good goalkeeper, right? He's a very, very fine shot stopper. He's, I'm not going to say he's very dominant in the air and dominant in terms of set pieces, but I don't think that's his style. I think we've talked about this before. You've got different types of goalkeepers. You've got the more old school type goalkeeper that I like. Emmy Martinez is that type of goalkeeper. I'm not going down the road of we should have kept Martinez, but what I'm saying is he's my type of goalkeeper, the type of goalkeeper I prefer to have in behind my defence. But Bern Leno is a different kind of goalkeeper. And He's got other strengths, and those strengths, as I say, include shot stopping. I think he's a better shot stopper than Emmy Martinez. Maybe a po- unpopular opinion, but that's my view on it. But the problem with Burn Leno is that his distribution is just not up to scratch. It's just not up to the standard that it needs to be at for Arsenal to play the way Mikel Arteta wants us to. And you saw time and time again under Emmy Martinez, where we were trying to play out from the back, that if he didn't think it was right, he would just take that decision and go long. And with Bern Leno, I feel he's a little bit more robotic in that sense, where he does always do what he's being coached and never takes the initiative or, or takes control of the situation as an individual and makes a different decision off the back of that. And that frustrates me a bit with him. So Leno's a good keeper, right? But he's not good enough when it comes to distribution. And Arsenal are obviously going to put a lot of pressure on whoever plays in between the sticks this season to get that part of the game right. It's so important to our build-up and it is so important to the way that Mikel wants to take this team forward. Therefore, you need someone more suited. You know, Manchester City is a prime example. Yeah, okay, they've got millions and they can change goalkeepers more than they change their underwear. And they did do that at one stage. You know, Pep Guardiola brought in uh, Claudio Bravo to replace... Uh, Joe Hart, didn't he? And then very quickly decided that Claudio Bravo was not the man either. So Man City obviously have that ability to do that because of their transfer kind of muscle, the, the strength that they have in the market and the finance that they obviously have at their disposal. But Arsenal need to start thinking about how we're going to move on from Burn Leno because, yeah, it's not my number one priority in terms of bringing in a number one right now. But as I say, This Onana thing, it's an opportunity, the kind of which doesn't come along very often. Five million pounds he was going to join Leon for, and he's pulled out of that move 
according to a report from the Netherlands last night, because he knows of interest from some, and I quote, bigger clubs. Could that be the Arsenal? I bloody hope so. And look, if you told me that I could go get any goalkeeper in the world right now, I wouldn't go and get Andre Onana. I do think Andre Onana has shortcomings as well. But the point here is that as Sam so eloquently put in the comments, and literally it was on the tip of my tongue, and he's put it in the comments, you won't get a better goalkeeper at that price. Simple as that for me. Simple as that. So that's my thoughts on the Andre Anana situation. That's the update. He's pulled out of a move to Leon uh, because he knows of interest from some bigger clubs. Uh, Inter are another club who are said to be really keen on Andre Onana as well. So I won't rule out a move to Serie A, but, but it, you feel like if Arsenal wanted to do this, they could. The opportunity is there. And if they don't, I think we'll probably be missing missing a really good chance, I guess, to bring in a very good goalkeeper for a very low fee at a time where saving money is uh, is got to be appealing to most clubs out there. So, yeah. Uh, let's take this one from Matt, who says, Harry, do you think Arsenal's reluctance on Onana is due to him wanting to be guaranteed our number one? We can't guarantee that as he'll play maybe five months. Um, do I think that he wants to be guaranteed number one? Maybe. But I also don't think that Bern Leno is here for the long term. And I think that if I was Andre Onana, I think you have to look at it that way. I think it's difficult to predict what's going to happen in the future. But I just think if Andre Onana comes in and he's much better at the distribution side of things, I don't think he's worse than Bern Leno in the other areas as a goalkeeper. And so there's no reason why he can't be the number one. I think he needs to believe in himself and make a move to a big club. You know, I, I, that's how I see it. And whatever people say about Arsenal right now, Arsenal are still a massive football club. Arsenal are still box office. Arsenal still have more supporters than most clubs in the Premier League in the world. In fact, Arsenal are one of the elite in terms of a football club. We're not where we need to be right now, and we all know that. And that obviously poses its challenges. But Arsenal as a football club are huge. And I can't imagine a world where anybody would want to go and play for Olympic Lyonnais, with all due respect to them, over the mighty Arsenal. Call me biased, but that's genuinely uh, how I feel. Right, let's... Um, Let's move on a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about James Madison. And we're going to be bringing you a special episode of our Transfer Talk series this afternoon. It'll be live on the YouTube channel at 4 p.m. I'll be joined by Jake Watson of TalkSport. Jake is brilliant. Uh, I was on TalkSport with Jake earlier uh, this morning, and he is a massive Leicester City fan. Well, they couldn't really say that on air, but Jake will be with me uh, from 4 p.m. We'll be discussing James Madison at length what the situation is from a Leicester City point of view as well with regards to the midfielder. And it should be a really, really interesting insight into the player. I've shared my views and my thoughts on James Madison repeatedly, but I want to hear from the other side now. And there's no better person than Jake to do that. So as I say, that'll be coming to you a little bit later on. Make sure you tune in. Just a quick reminder that this podcast is brought to you by manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs. Head over to manscaped.com and enter your discount code, which is 90min20. You'll receive not just a clean shave, but 20% off of your order, as well as free sh shipping. And you stand to save yourself a fair amount of money. 
Lawnmower 4.0, incredible product. You heard it from the Manscaped man himself, Elliot, yesterday, uh, right here on this very podcast. So please do uh, not hesitate to visit their website, check it out. And I promise you, if you do take the plunge, you will not be disappointed and neither will your partner. There you go. Uh, Tebow says, uh, do you use Manscaped to groom your beard? No, I don't. And my beard is, uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, is really out of control at the moment in terms of it's really messy. And the reason it's messier than usual is because I've got a wedding to go to on Saturday. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to hold out as long as possible, trying to hold out till Friday so that I can get that nice, fresh beard trim and shape up uh, from the barbers and uh, and be good to go on Saturday. So uh, no, uh, I don't use it for my beard. I- I'd feel a bit uneasy, Tebow, using it down there and then using it up here. Doesn't really work for me, but there you go. <laughs> uh, so the latest on the James Madison stuff, as I was just saying, uh, is that a report has come out today from Football Insider and they allege that Arsenal have offered not one, but two players to Leicester City as part of that deal. Now, it's alleged that those two players are Ainsley Maitland-Niles, as we predicted yesterday, and Reese Nelson. However, the Foxes have indicated that they are not interested in taking either of those two players from the Emirates to the King Power Stadium. So you can forget that. That's not going to work, Arsenal. There's, the asking price is said to be around about £70 million. So if Arsenal want James Madison, they're going to have to stump up the cash. Now, I'm not going to go too deep into this on this episode because, as I say, we'll get that bit of insight um, and and we'll go a little bit deeper into it with Jake a little bit later on. Um, But, you know, this is one that is said to be moving along very, very slowly. And that's in terms of the negotiations, right? We're nowhere near the point of, you know, of agreeing personal terms with a player. Okay, look, the personal terms might have been agreed behind the scenes um, and and that might have been done, but we're not at the point where we can officially do that. So contrary to what people are saying, and I've seen a few people, and listen, I think this is, that we all create content and we all understand the need to put titles that attract attention right? That's part of the content creation game. You need to be able to put titles that are going to tempt people into into clicking on the show, into coming and watching it, coming and listening to it. And I know that. And sometimes I put a title and I think, oh, this feels a little bit misleading. This feels a little bit too much, but you got to do it. It's part of the game. But what I don't like seeing is when people then go that one step further. So I'll put a title in. For example, yesterday we talked about Marco Asensio. And then I, I did speak about the rumor, of course, and discussed it and shared my thoughts on it. But I was very quick to make it clear that I didn't really believe that this one was anywhere near as far down the line as some people were suggesting and kind of poured cold water on it. But, but... I saw some videos and some tweets, in-depth tweet threads yesterday from people suggesting that this deal was really far down the line, which it isn't. I saw the same about Lautaro Martinez, which it isn't. The the word advanced talks was just being thrown about everywhere. And really, that's not where we are on either of those two players. And that's a lovely segue into the Lautaro Martinez stuff, because, of course, the Argentine striker is wanted by Arsenal. Arsenal have shown an interest. And Inter are not completely shut off to the idea of selling him. However, however, 
Lautaro Martinez's future now, it feels, are largely or is largely dependent on what happens with Romelu Lukaku. Now, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Romelu Lukaku uh, is somebody that Chelsea are after. They've said to have made an offer, an opening offer of £85 million uh, in order to try and bring the Belgian back to the bridge. However, that offer was rejected, and it's said that Chelsea are lining up another offer of substantially more, £100, £110 million, which is massive. Now, Inter are not, as I said to you yesterday, going to allow Lautaro Martinez and Romelu Lukaku to leave in the same transfer window. Surely not. They'd have taken five steps forward under Antonio Conte only to undo it all the following summer if they were to do something like that. I understand Inter's financial situation probably means that if somebody does come knocking on the door with an offer of £100 million or there or thereabouts for any player, no matter who it is, no matter how important they are, they have to consider it. I totally get that, understand that and appreciate that. But they're not going to let both go. I just can't see that happening. And Lautaro for me is is somebody I'd love to see at Arsenal. I'm a massive fan of his. You, you heard me kind of wax lyrical about him the moment that link was established between the club and, and the Argentine. But, you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost in the region of £70 million. And if you think we're going to get James Madison or you want us to go and get James Madison, I think it's then unrealistic to think that we're going to go and get Lautaro Martinez as well. It's too much. Arsenal can't do it. And yes, we heard, didn't we, repeatedly over the course of the last few months about the fact that Arsenal have this huge transfer war chest. And yes, they've probably got more money than many of us expected they would have to spend this summer. But the key thing here is I think a lot of that, or at least some of it, some of it was based on the idea or the assumption or the hope that Arsenal were going to get money in for some of the dead wood, some of the fringe players, some of the players that Mikel Arteta doesn't feel are part of the project moving forward. And for me, that significantly dents what we can do or reduces what we can do in the market. To spend 50 million on Ben White, 70 million on James Madison and 70 million on Lautaro Martinez, as well as 20 million on Sambi Conga and 8, 9 million, whatever it was on Nuno Tavares, just feels like a bridge too far when you consider that we're yet to sell anyone of note for any figure of note. That's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts on the Lautaro Martinez stuff. But as I say, you know, Romelu Lukaku, if he leaves Inter, I think it significantly reduces anybody's chances, not just Arsenal's, of landing Lautaro this summer. However, if, um, if of course, uh, Romelu Lukaku stays put, then Lautaro Martinez could well be on the move because of his contract situation and all the other factors that we've discussed in the past. Right, we're going to go for another 10, 15 minutes or so. So get some of your questions in the live chat. I want to hear from you guys and we'll work our way through those uh, for the rest of uh, the podcast. Let's have a quick look uh, in terms of where we are now in terms of likes. There's over 180 of you watching us on YouTube alone. We've only got 40 likes. Surely we can get that up to as close to 100. Why not 100, actually? Uh, sooner rather than later. It's free. doesn't cost a penny. Get involved. Hit the like button. Really helps. And if you're new to the channel or you haven't subscribed yet, then please do. I can see from the analytics that there are 40% of you watching our videos at the moment. And you're all welcome. Don't get me wrong. Um, that are watching it 
as non-subscribers. So stop being freeloaders and hit the subscribe button. Uh, and if you wish to go one further by becoming a member, you can do that too. Right, let's take some of uh, those questions. Uh, Syed Abdullah says, Harry, is Lautaro the perfect striker for Arteta's philosophy? This is interesting, right? Because as much as I like Lautaro Martinez, the idea of signing him contradicts what I've said about Arsenal and the striker situation in the last few months. I talked even at the back end of last season about the need to kind of identify a hybrid of Alexander Lacazette and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. I like that Lacazette drops deep. I like that he gets involved in the build-up play. I like his tenacity, his industry, his workmanship. I love all of that. But I don't think he's always clinical enough. Aubameyang, I think, needs to be utilised in a very specific way. Needs to get in behind teams. That's what Aubameyang does. Or needs to get the ball on that right foot from a slightly left of centre position and be attacking the penalty area. Those are the things that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang does very well. I don't think Lautaro Martinez necessarily fits into what I've always said, which is the idea of I need someone or wants to see someone who will attack the penalty area with a bit of presence when we do get the ball into wide areas. But I do think Lautaro is very good at running in behind. I think he's a very good finisher. I think Lautaro is very industrious in the way that he works the pitch and works spaces and makes good runs and is very tenacious. He's a typical South American striker. But there are some elements to his game that make me think he's not necessarily the perfect fit. However, however, that's not to say I wouldn't want him to come. And I think, you know, yes, we've got a system and we've got a style of play. But I think if you've got a really elite striker, then to a degree, you need to tailor your build-up play, don't you, to suit that striker. And I think if you got hold of someone like Lautaro Martinez, who is one of the hottest properties in European football right now, then you do that naturally, don't you? You tweak your build-up play a little bit just to make sure that you do get the most uh, out of uh, out of what you're, uh, you know, out of that player, out of that investment. So. I don't think he's the perfect striker for Arteta's philosophy. Like, I don't think he ticks all of the boxes, but I think he's such a good player that if you could get him in at the club, you'd do it, wouldn't you? Um, that's my view anyway. Uh, let's say hello to Ayoko, Ayoku sorry, uh, from Canada. He says, good morning from Canada, just joining the stream. What are your thoughts about Martinelli getting a chance this season? I expect Gabriel Martinelli to be far more involved this season than he was last time out. Um, he's spoken recently, I touched on this the other day, I think, but he's spoken recently about the fact that his road to recovery was a very cautious one. That was a decision taken by not just him, but by the staff, the club doctors. And uh, and I think it's worked well because towards the end of the season, he did look really sharp and he was far more involved, wasn't he? So that suggests to me that his only going to be more involved down the line. You know, he's only going to progress. And for all the people that say Mikel Arteta doesn't like him, doesn't want him, etc., etc., that is absolute pony. It is nonsense. There is nothing to suggest that uh, Gabriel Martinelli and Mikel Arteta are not on the same page. In fact, the Brazilian forward has spoken really highly of Mikel Arteta, called him one of the best coaches in the world as recently as last week. Now, obviously, people are going to come at that from the other side and say, well, it's his employer. He's not going to slag him off. And I get that. But he didn't need to go as far as he did in terms of the praise. Uh, so I do think there's a good relationship there. 
And Mikel Arteta, I think, has shown that he can develop players even further. I know that naturally they develop anyway, but I think Smith Rowe's been brilliant under him. I think Saka obviously had broken through previously, but has taken it up to the next level as well. So, um, yeah, I'm confident that he will be much more involved. Uh, let's pick up a few more. Uh, Sam says, don't you feel the problem has been selling players with the foreign clubs strapped for cash? I feel if we'd been able to sell players early on, we'd have seen a lot more signings. Yeah, completely agree, Sam. I think that's been key. And I've talked about it before, haven't I, about the fact that those clubs on the continent have been much more badly affected by the COVID-19 crisis than us here in the Premier League. And I think that it is almost naive to overlook that fact. And when people sit there and they say, well, Arsenal have been terrible at selling players and moving players on. I think we have been in the past, but I think you have to understand the situation that we're in currently. And you have to accept and acknowledge that it is a much more difficult environment in which to negotiate. I do think that under normal circumstances, Roma would have bought Granite Xhaka. I do think that somebody would have stumped up money for Hector Bellerin. Maybe not as much as some were predicting, but I do think there was money to be made in those scenarios. And those clubs have seen those players as probably additions rather than uh, sort of luxury additions or wants rather than needs. And that's why they've decided not to spend their money in those uh, in those particular areas. But it's a really great point, Sam. The The current market, especially on the continent, where you're seeing the likes of Juventus even struggling. You know, Juventus, who had won the Scudetto, what, seven times in a row prior to last season, are struggling to, you know, to do a deal for Manuel Locatelli that doesn't involve them loaning him first. That in itself indicates what is going on on the continent. And so, of course, we can't expect these clubs to come in and make big money offers for Bellerin, for Lacazette, for Xhaka, whoever it is that you want to see moved on. So, yeah, it's a it's a really, really important point. Uh, Walhad says, uh, I seriously believe we don't need James Madison if he costs 70 plus. I really believe that Mateus Pereira is a better option. Of course, Mateus Pereira enjoyed a very good season, didn't he, last time out at West Bromwich Albion. Uh, let's take this one uh, from Sonny. He says, are we too slow to react in the transfer market? Do we mull over deals too much? Possibly. But by that same token, we don't actually know what's going on step by step. You know, we might have, for example, we heard about the Ben White interest uh, very early on during the European Championships. And everybody said, oh, it took it took bloody ages to get through. But did it, you know, did it really take ages or was it, always clear that nothing was going to move until the Euros had finished and the player had returned from his holiday. Because that's the way I see it. Ben White attended the Euros, played, took part in the Euros, went away on holiday. And so it wasn't Arsenal taking ages. It was it was very clear that that deal could not be completed until Ben White was back. And people will take that as Arsenal being really, really slow in the transfer market. And that might be the case. You know, they might have taken an age over certain elements of it. But I do think that sometimes we're, we're just, as fans, we, we want to see a sign in a day. Like, and it just doesn't work like that. So much negotiation goes on. So much paperwork uh, has to be done behind the scenes. Uh, you need to get medicals done. And, and there's a lot of other things. Remember, you're not just dealing with the clubs. You're dealing with the players and their individual representatives. And it can become a little bit long-winded at times. 
let's take this one from Arsenal Legends. Keep up the content. If we were serious about getting another striker, first, Laka would have to go, and I don't see that happening. And two, we haven't even bidded for him yet. Yeah, agreed. I don't think the, the striker is at the top of the priority list. Um I've always said that. Uh, big hello to Des Daunt, who says, uh, all right, H, sorry I'm late to the parade, mate. No problem. Welcome. Uh, Russ says, uh, let's get Onana. Thibaut Pesk says, would you keep Willock or rather, at what price would you let him go? Uh, for me, anything in excess of £15 million, I would be letting Joe Willock go. Because I think that when you talk about what I've just said about the clubs in Europe being cash-strapped, I think £15 million can go quite a long way in the European market. And I think we could improve the squad. If not just for £15 million, it could make up a significant portion of a deal that would take us to another level. And I don't think Joe Willock does that. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I just don't see it uh, at this moment in time. Uh, Arsenal Legends says, I oh know I already got that one. Sorry. Uh, all over the bloody shop. Um, Josh Hunter says, do you think top eight will be a trophy next season? Not in my book. My God, not in my book. Uh, yep, this is a really good point from Andrew, who says during the Ben White interview, he mentioned how it was essentially complete weeks before it was official. Exactly. Which backs up the point, doesn't it? That Arsenal didn't take an age over this, but there are things in the way. There are obstacles. There are holidays. His participation at the Euros, etc., etc. Uh, so, yeah, all of that needs to be factored in, of course. Right, let's quickly check in where we're at on the likes front right now. So there are currently over 230, 240 of you watching us on YouTube. Only got 60 likes, though. Come on, guys, hit the like button. Why can't we get this up to 100 likes? It should be easy. It should be easy. If even half of you did it, we'd be well over the 100 likes mark, which would be fantastic and really, really helps. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you're new. Click on the link in the description if you want to become a member. Check out manscaped.com for all your male grooming needs. And once again, we thank them for their very, very kind sponsorship. We're going to be back later on with, as I said, TalkSport presenter Jake Watson, TalkSport presenter and Leicester City fan Jake Watson. We're going to be discussing James Madison, what's going on, getting a Leicester City perspective on it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that chat. We'll also be back again tonight for another live show. That one, though, will be out in podcast format tomorrow morning. So I'll be joined by Mike Stavrou for our new weekly show, uh, Talking Arsenal, where we're going to be getting together, myself and Mike, and running through all the big stories, sharing our opinions. And of course, as always, taking your comments uh, from the chat box. Be back very, very soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Make sure you turn those notifications on. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.